3: Streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community. With your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. And welcome
2: to Kidney Talk and yes. happy Valentine's
3: Day.
4: Happy Valentine's Day. What Such did a... you get me? I didn't get you anything. You, you noticed only the long, for my husband. The
2: long pause of silence, <laughs> uh, you know, after I said, what did you get me?
4: Well, I have to tell you, my husband um, took me to an Andrea Bocelli concert. And, oh, my goodness. I love Andrea best. Bocelli, that especially the with the, the cream
2: sauce and everything. Oh, no, that's <laughs> fettuccine.
4: That's, yeah, that's Fettuccini Bocello.
2: Oh, Fe- oh God. Uh, but
4: this is Andrea Bocelli.
2: Bocelli. He's
4: an incredible classical music star. Uh-huh.
2: Um, he's, isn't he blind? He's
4: blind. And, oh, my God, I just... I, I told Dean. I said I hate to admit this, but he's Plan B. The guy is just so incredibly talented, and he sings with so much emotion. And he just—he doesn't even speak English. And you know that he's singing about love.
2: Wow! And what a perfect subject <laughs> for Valentine's Day.
4: Yes. I and mean, you know what? Another Mister Wright, Mrs. Wright. Everybody's Mrs. looking Wright. right now.
2: Oh God! You know, I I was looking for Mrs. Wright one time, and I I made a U turn. <laughs> we have a story coming up here on kidney talk of the most amazing amount of love and and for for somebody yes joan salsman right
4: yes joan salsman has now, an incredible story she got married story. when she was
2: uh, yeah she got married uh, later on in life yes and as soon as she gets married, I think she donated a kidney to her new husband.
4: Yes, and she wrote a book called Mr. Right and My Left Kidney. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Joan Saltzman and find out.
2: I think that would make a good movie. Like <laughs> they could play a double bill with my left foot. <laughs>
3: My name is Jenny Huey. There is a critical shortage of organs. 91,000 people are waiting for a transplant. I am one of those people waiting for a kidney like many of you listening. I wait for my transplant coordinator to call me with the good news, that they have a kidney for me. Other young women my age are waiting for that special someone who they met online at that dating website, Match.com, to call, and I'm waiting for the right cross match. It is important that we all inform our friends, family, and co-workers about the importance of becoming a donor and to make sure they sign a donor card. Also, they need to discuss this very important decision with their family. We all need to bring awareness to the public about the importance of giving the gift of life so I can continue on with my life, dialysis-free, and have guys waiting patiently by the phone for me.
4: Hi, Joan. Well, welcome to the show. Hi, Louie.
0: Thank you.
2: Happy Valentine's Day.
0: Yes. Thank you. You too. Now,
2: you've got a great, great love story here, don't you?
0: Oh, thank you. I think so.
2: You have a great love story here. So tell us how you and your husband first met.
0: I was almost 46. And by that time, I and everyone else I knew gave up on the idea of my finding the right person. Now,
2: your parents must have been out of their minds while
3: you weren't married.
0: (laughs) Well, my mother, as you could imagine, (laughs) kept asking me, um, when are you going to find somebody? You know, when I was 30, she would say, you know, when will you find someone? By the time I was 40, she would say to me, you know, Joan, you should just find somebody, anybody.
2: (laughs) There's a guy with a cardboard sign on the end of the street that says, we'll work for food. Get
0: him. It didn't matter who it was at that point. Um, but but I was just I was just about 46, and I decided that you know that old conventional wisdom of just do what you love. Yes, I do. <laughs> well, what what I had always loved, and then you'll meet the right person. What I had always loved was movies, and I ever since my dad took me to see Martin and Lewis when I was four, I was just a really huge film buff. And so I decided that I would go with my friends to the Montreal Film Festival. And so I went to the festival in Montreal. And during the festival, I kept seeing this guy, and I thought he was really attractive. And then I thought to myself, oh, that's silly. You know, here it is, a film festival. I don't want to start anything here. And I just put it out of my mind. And then the last night of the festival, um, my friends and I went to um, a screening in a huge venue, uh, the Place des Arts in Montreal, and I turned around and I see this guy again, and I thought, you know, nothing of it, and the movie was over.
2: What was the movie? What was the movie?
0: It was an interesting movie. It was called Jonah Who Lives in the Whale, and it was a story. It was in it was in Italian with French subtitles. Oh my God, that sounds heavy. I had like the most brilliant French teacher in high school, so. I could understand the movie, and there was also a Roger Moore tribute um, at the same time. Um, Roger Moore, who of course was a James Bond. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. These great clips of Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, and we walked out of the, we walked out of the Roger Moore tribute in the film, and I was standing on the corner, and um, my friends and I were talking, and all of a sudden I hear my woman friend say, "Hi, John." And the guy that I had been seeing for the past few days and saw at the venue was walking over. And she knew him, huh? And she knew
4: him. Oh, wow. So he wasn't stalking you. He wasn't chasing you down. Oh, no. (laughs) It It
0: was just fortuitous that I kept seeing him. Um, And so he came over. And I always describe it as like in the movie South Pacific, when Racino Brazzi is singing Some Enchanted Evening and all that he sees is Mitzi Gaynor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of the way I felt when I saw mm-hmm. John came over and I was talking to him at first. Mm-hmm. And so I figured, you know, I mean, what could come of this? turned out he lived in Toronto and he was a film professor, so it was like, and Jewish, <laughs> of all things. Um, so that it, it, he was, you know, somebody. if I had like made my dream person... It would have been him, but I figured, you know, he's in Toronto, I'm in Philadelphia, nothing is ever going to come of this. And then it turned out really interestingly that the Phillies got into the World Series against Toronto. Oh, wow. So when we first started talking, instead of talking, you know, a few minutes at a time, we used to sit on the phone during the whole (laughs) games of the World Series. And it turned out that Toronto won, and it was like my mother's always saying to me when I was growing up, let the boys win. (laughs) I didn't let Toronto win, but I always feel like it didn't hurt that they did.
4: So you started dating and and going out, and and you found out he had kidney disease? So how did that uh, impact your feelings? Well, it's
0: interesting, because I found out sort of pretty early on And I thought about it for a while, and I thought, well, does this make make sort of good intellectual sense to be getting involved with someone that has kidney disease? And I thought that it doesn't make sense to think that way. You know, if it's somebody that I really care about, you don't know if the person that you meet can get run over by a car the next day or something else can happen to them. And so I thought about it for a while, but it wasn't something that made me think, know I'm not interested I'm not going to pursue this
2: now when he had kidney disease I mean was he on dialysis or was he just you know on medication or what was he doing
0: well actually he wasn't on anything when I first met him and since there's no way to tell that someone has kidney disease you know I mean there's except that sometimes they're tired he was probably in about 3.0 creatinine around then and he didn't look bad. he could do mostly everything. He was on a an, on a low protein diet and so that was the only thing that really, you know And
2: you noticed that you could go long periods of without him going to the bathroom.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do we keep track of that? I don't
4: know, Joan. Do do women keep track of men's bathroom schedule? Sure, Steve. We don't try to coordinate with men just other women. Not
0: much. <laughs> when I noticed it more was when we would go on vacations and go hiking. And John's nine years older than I am, and so for a while I thought maybe this is just our age difference mm-hmm. as to the kidney disease, but I'm pretty sure now, since I've gotten to be the age and older that John was then, that, that it was the kidney disease making him really tired. And
4: so how, um, so how did it progress? So did you decide to get married and then decide to give him a kidney, or was that... You know, discussion before you got married.
0: Well, it it wasn't a discussion before we got married, and um, we got married when I was just a little bit, uh, I guess, a few months before I was fifty. Okay. And
4: did you have a big wedding or a small wedding? We had a small wedding, um, but but. Was he
2: on dialysis by then? No. Ah.
0: Um. And so what happened was we had this little wedding, and then the week after the wedding. John had moved to Philadelphia, got onto my insurance, and then we got married the next day. We got married the day after he came to, to uh, Philadelphia so that he could get onto my insurance. And so we got married the day after he came to Philly. and then what happened was a week afterwards he went to see the neuro- n- the nephrologist in Philadelphia for the first time. Um, he had nephrologists in Canada, but now that he was in Philly. We found out about this great nephrologist in philadelphia we went to the doctor and this was i was married a week and the doctor looked at me and he said you know we've had a lot of success with spousal transplants and i thought oh <laughs> i i was a wife for a week and already you know a candidate for a spousal transplant oh my goodness and so it and and to be to be fair to the doctor, who's wonderful, he didn't really know how long we'd been married. So, you know, it wasn't as if he was just broaching the subject.
2: Okay, so, so um, when we come back, we'll talk more with you and find out more about this soap opera that I'm excited about. It's kind of like a cross between general hospital and one life to live.
1: And now it's time to Ask the Nephrologist.
4: I'm always so tired. How do I stay active with limited energy?
2: And here's Dr. Alan Nissenson with the answer.
1: Just having kidney failure, whether you've started dialysis yet or even people who are on dialysis, getting it the traditional three times a week and doing well, are still not going to feel 100%. Because think about the fact that your kidneys are working for such a brief period of time, your artificial kidney compared to your normal kidneys. So it's not surprising that dialysis can't remove all the toxins. It actually removes about 15 to 20% of the toxins. That's about what it does. And your body's left with all the other toxins that it doesn't remove very well, some of which make you feel tired and weak. Uh, There are some specific causes of tiredness and weakness. The most important one is anemia. That's something the dialysis unit and the nephrologist uh, check very frequently, give you medication for, and generally is well controlled. So although that may contribute somewhat to tiredness, it's probably not the most important reason anymore. If you were to ask me this question before 1989, I would have said anemia accounts for almost all of this. In 1989, the medication which almost all dialysis patients get now, EPO, which stimulates the body to make blood, uh, has pretty much corrected the anemia as a problem. So anemia, although it's a little bit of a problem, still is not the problem it was, but people are still tired who are on dialysis. One of the most important contributors to tiredness is a lack of physical conditioning. And I think, although it's hard, it's critically important in dialysis patients, even more than in the general population, to exercise on a regular basis. As hard as that is, and as difficult as it is, There's clear evidence that regular exercise in dialysis patients improves blood pressure, improves the blood count, decreases the drive to drink fluids between dialysis, improves muscle strength, and improves energy. All of those things can come from simple exercising, like riding on a stationary bicycle. So although the the cause of tiredness probably can't be removed with the way we're currently doing dialysis, The sensation and the muscle weakness can be improved with regular exercise.
0: The acid nephrologist segment of this program is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your
3: physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition. The Renal Support Network and the Renal Physicians Association make no representations or warranties and provide no guarantees of
0: any kind as to the accuracy of any information provided during the acid nephrologist segment.
1: Postman, here you go.
2: Hmm. I won the million-dollar giveaway sweepstakes. Oh, I finally got my tax refund check. Oh, my God! I-, I can't believe this! I got my order of Dairy Delicious! Oh, boy! Milkshakes, creamy soup, cereal with milk and pudding!
1: <laughs> Why is Mr. Smith so excited about his Dairy Delicious? I have a hint. You see, Mr. Smith is on dialysis and Dairy Delicious is real milk especially created for kidney patients. It has half the potassium and half the phosphorus of regular 2% milk, but it has 100% of the flavor, perfect for people who love dairy products and need to keep their lab values normal and dietitians happy. And most of all, it's delicious. Thousands who have tried Dairy Delicious sing its praises. Hallelujah. See what I mean? order your own Dairy Delicious and possibly get as excited as Mr. Smith here call one eight seven seven four 4 dairy 7 that's one 432-4797 or visit DairyDelicious.com Dairy healthy Dairy good, Dairy delicious The milk that's made for you Don't change your hair for me Not if you me. Stay a little
4: Stay. So this idea was presented to you about a spousal transplant, and what were your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts,
0: Lori, were, no way.
2: Yeah, I love this guy, but he's not getting. He can have my he can have my body and soul, but not my
0: kidneys. But I was a medical malpractice lawyer at the time. Uh huh. So, you know, all that I knew were horror stories about operations because that was when people came to me.
4: Right, you didn't hear the positive stories.
0: And I was always a person who thought, you know, I mean, I might have wrinkles, but there's no way I would ever have what I thought was unnecessary surgery for mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. and this to me was unnecessary surgery and so Dr. Grossman who's a nephrologist looked at me and he said people often change their minds when their spouses become more ill and I still thought to myself no way you don't understand I know about all of the things that can happen to you when you have surgery I'm never changing my mind. So,
2: so how did you change What what was the thing that caused you to change?
0: See, dr. Grossman was exactly right
2: your husband started to get sicker
0: yeah as I saw,
2: tell us that yeah
0: more and more ill more and more pale more and more listless he, he um, was teaching at University of Pennsylvania and he would come home after teaching and he could barely about this, and I'm going to have to figure out a way to put aside all of the bad stories that I know about operations and really think about this. And just about that time, um, the nephrologist referred John to the transplant center at Penn, and I went along with him, and the, the woman who spoke with us was saying that there was a new operation for donors. I still thought to myself, mm-mm, uh, but, but I, I listened really carefully, and, and it was the first year that Penn was doing the closed procedure. They had started it, I believe, in January. What, what is that ex- yeah, Is that yeah. the la- a laparoscopic surgery? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so instead of an 8 to 10-inch incision mm-hmm. with you know more possibility of infection um, and, and other complications, it was a much more simple surgery. It was just
2: like a paper cut.
0: <laughs> it's a little more than a paper <laughs> cut. <laughs> but it was um, just a several um, in small incisions in the abdomen and they would put the instruments through there and then I, I just love Dr. Naji, who was John's transplant surgeon, I love the way he described this to me because what he said was they make incisions, they put instruments in through the incisions They cut the kidney off, and they catch it in something that looks like a butterfly net, and they pull it out through about a three-inch incision underneath the belly button. So that it was a very, very different kind of operation than what I had envisioned, but I still, you know, I still had reservations. But, again, as John got sicker and sicker, I just thought, you know, I'm just going to have to put these res- reservations and being a chicken aside.
4: Joan, what kind of match were you?
0: Um, I think three antigens. Three out of six. And so, and and the reason that Dr. Grossman had originally told me this is that by the time we saw him, things had gotten so much better with respect to the um, to the anti-rejection drugs that it was possible to even, I think, do it with. Two antigen match.
4: Really? Yes. I've heard people with zero antigen match getting transplants. Yes. Really? Well, that means I can get a transplant from anybody, then, huh? Um. Well, it's oh, nice. the technology is getting incredible nowadays. Well, did
0: you have a lot of pain after surgery? Um. I had a lot of. I, I remember having a whole lot of pain in the recovery room. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I had this very nice woman supplying me with lots of morphine <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice it all that much. And the best thing that happened is that the, the um, nurse in the recovery room said to me, well, when John comes, when you're ready to go back, we're going to wheel you past John. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Anything she had told me would probably sound like a good idea. Um, and they wheeled me past John. And before the operation, he was just basically white. I mean, he, was, he, he had no color in his face at all. And when they wheeled me past him in the recovery room, he was already pink.
4: Did did the kidney start working right away for him? Immediately. Oh, wow. That's incredible when that happens.
0: Yep, so he was pink. And it was like, and I had never had a child, and I had always wanted to have a child.
2: And now you had this gigantic child who was pink.
0: (laughs) And I felt like I'd really given life to somebody that I already loved. And it was really amazing.
2: (laughs) So why did you um, decide to write this book? Because of your experience?
0: It's interesting because I decided to write my book because I had looked for something when I was thinking of giving John my kidney, and there was nothing around. And so I thought, I think I'm going to write this book. And I also thought that I had read a number of articles talking about how... I could hardly wait to give my loved one a kidney. And I thought, you know, there's something a little off about this because it's serious surgery. It's something that, you know, it's something to think about. And I thought that I should write something that I felt like was real, was realistic. Um, and also I like the idea of writing about, uh, for women who have given up hope of finding the right guy, of writing a book about how, You really can do it no matter how old you are. And so both of those things made me want to write the book.
2: So the first uh, book idea you had, the sci-fi idea where an alien comes down and gives your husband a kidney, that went out the window? uh, And the novel. Stephen Ah.
4: might be able to produce that movie. (laughs) I'm thinking in terms of movies
2: now. That would be a much better movie. Just writing.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the book is called Mr. Right in My Left Kidney. Exactly. And so how long did it take you to write this book?
0: It's interesting. I started keeping a journal probably right around the time of the transplant so that I didn't do it as I should have. From the very beginning of the process of probably meeting John and also meeting um, the nephrologist, so that I had to sort of reconstruct all of that later. And actually, when John and I talk about it, he sometimes tells me that I didn't get every conversation exactly right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's a husband and wife kind of thing, you know, where everybody has different ideas of what was said. <laughs>
0: Exactly.
4: And how long has um, uh, the transplant been working? Um, it's seven years. Oh, wow. wow. So that, it's past the seven-year itch. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and how long have you been married?
4: Um, we've been married for,
0: it'll be 10 years in May. 10 years in May.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so what uh, do you want John to get you for Valentine's Day? <laughs> Since you gave him a kidney, I think you can ask for anything. If you asked
0: him he would tell you that right after the transplant, we went to Tiffany's, and he bought me the Elsa Peretti bean that looks like a kidney.
4: Yes, I have one, too. I have a little uh, sterling
0: silver bean, Tiffany bean. Exactly. So that's what he bought me for the kidney. But John is a great cook, and so I hope for Valentine's Day that he cooks me one of his wonderful meals. And just... A terrific cook. And
4: does he put candlelight out and everything? Does he play Andrea Bocelli by chance? (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) What music does he play for you?
0: (laughs) We're all folky, so it's more likely to be um, Woody Guthrie (laughs) or, or someone like that, which is fine with me. You like that.
2: So what's your favorite Valentine's Day romantic movie since you guys are both movie buffs?
0: Ah. You know what I should say? I, I I should tell you that one of John's favorite movies is Animal House.
4: No,
2: I haven't heard of that
4: one. One <laughs> being one of the top romantic favorites.
2: <laughs> I haven't heard that movie before. <laughs> Who's in that? Annie Hall. Oh, Annie Hall is my absolute number one favorite movie of all time. So we have a lot in common. Yeah. Uh,
4: Animal House is Stephen's favorite movie too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And let me think what else we like that's romantic. John would not say that he's romantic, but he actually is.
2: Um I would say a good romantic movie would be Sleepless in Seattle.
0: Yeah, I like that
4: movie. That was a good movie. Harry Met
0: Sally. When Harry Met Sally. I like
4: Bridget Jones' Diary. Oh, yeah,
0: I like that too. <laughs> oh, I love Harry When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, that's yes, that was a great movie. movie. Ending of that movie.
4: So here's some recommendations to watch for Valentine's Day. Now,
2: how do we get your book? How do we get your book now? Is it in Amazon, or what is it? It's
0: at Amazon, and you can order it from bookstores, and it's at barnesandnoble.com, too. Um, And so I'm hoping it's pretty much everywhere.
2: Now, are you going to plan to write another book?
0: Um, I'm thinking about different kinds of writing projects because I'm one of these people who, when they were young, was writing all the time, And then when I announced to my parents that I was going to to college in theater, they said, oh, no, you're not. (laughs) You're going to have to do something practical. And so I sort of stopped doing the more creative kind of writing and then started writing briefs. Became a lawyer. (laughs) So I'm really glad to be back to this kind of writing. And I'm actually thinking of a novel right now, probably not about kidneys
2: what well, can I have typecast can I have first dibs on the movie rights to it then <laughs> okay well a happy Valentine's Day and your you gave your husband the greatest gift of all and that yes. was the gift of life and we'd like to you know encourage everybody to be a, a organ donor and uh, have you, has you have your feelings changed about organ
0: donation I really feel much more strongly about organ donation and because I feel like you know it's a wonderful thing to be able to give a loved one a kidney. It really is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful feeling. It's the best thing that I've ever done. But it makes me sad that everyone doesn't have the opportunity to have someone do that for them, and that there's so many people who need organs, and other people are going to their graves with their organs, and I don't really get it. What's that saying? Take that everyone will sign a donor card and tell their loved ones.
4: What's that saying? Don't take your organs to heaven, leave your organs here or something like that.
3: Exactly.
0: And I really feel strongly about it. That's a pithy bumper sticker.
4: Well, it is. It is. It says, don't take your organs. Uh, no, the actual saying is, don't take your organs to heaven. Heaven knows we need them here.
2: Exactly. Ah, that's a lot better <laughs> than what you first what came I first up say? with. What <laughs> say? The first one was, take your organs somewhere, but I don't know, and something like that.
0: <laughs> you may not get them back. <laughs> so true. And, you know, I just, I mean, I, I almost wish, and I know that this can never happen, um, the lawyer in me knows, knows that this can never happen, but I just wish that there were some way that you could either give some sort of incentive to people who gave their organs, who don- were willing to donate their organs or something, so that people would be more willing to do it. Because it really breaks my heart that there are people waiting for organs who don't have them yet.
2: Yeah, n- never mind that it's totally illegal.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> you get a free Happy Meal if you...
4: Uh, <laughs> give a kidney.
2: Well, Sex. well. thanks again and happy Valentine's Day. And, yes. And give your husband and his kidney a big hug.
4: Doctor, Mr. Shelton's in room three.
2: Thank you. Mr. Shelton. Mr. Shelton. Uh, yes, doctor. What seems to be the problem today? Um, I'm having a problem not being able to sleep. Really? I also find it difficult to breathe. We... Open a window or turn on a fan or something. Certainly. Uh, let me ask you, do you feel depressed? No, I, I don't think so. But, but I do think my life is worthless, and I don't enjoy things I used to. And, and I feel like the whole world may blow up. But other than that, not really. That's weird. I, I also have a problem concentrating. Like the other day, do you know how they get those model ships in those bottles? Actually, I will have a cheeseburger. Of course I can do the Macarena. Oh, see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mr. Shelton? Mr. Shelton! Uh,
4: Yes, doctor.
2: You obviously have low energy. That's amazing. How did you know? Mr. Shelton, I I believe you're anemic. Actually, I'm half Irish, but my dad knows someone in Armenia. No, anemic. We'll give you a simple blood test and we'll run your hematocrit. It needs to be at least 33%. We'll have you back to normal in no time. Some of the medications we can give you while you're doing your dialysis. Managing anemia results in a more active, happier, better quality of life, and studies show you may even live longer. Mr. Shelton? Mr. Shelton! Nurse, patient removal, room three.
4: Yes, doctor. Boy, I am in a very romantic mood now. I know. It's just, it's, it's such a great love story. I mean, we don't hear these fabulous love stories anymore. What a
2: gift, you know, and God, can you imagine being married for one week and then you find out that you're asked to give a kidney? I, I mean, that I is- I can't
4: imagine. I mean, actually- that's tough. Uh, now that I think about it, my, my husband is the same. He's O positive. So there is a chance that he could be a match for me if I were to ever need another kidney. Oh, if you
2: ever need another one. I thought, don't be selfish, Laurie You already have a kidney. <laughs> I,
4: I know. It's it's amazing. I mean, because you do think about it every once in a while. It's like my transplants lasted, you know, over 16 years, but I'm in chronic kidney failure. I mean, the kidney won't last forever. Right, And, you know, I'm glad that dialysis would be there for me, but I choose to have a transplant, if possible, mm-hmm. that works. I mean, the key is a transplant that works, because we all know my first two didn't work.
2: Now, your husband's O-positive, right? Yes,
4: and I'm O-negative, but I think that that's not and, such and, of a problem. You know, <laughs>
2: well, he, he likes me, right? He, I think he
4: does. Yeah, and,
2: he, and I'm O positive. You're O positive. So, well, it was Lorraine. Day. What's
4: Lorraine? What kind of blood type? Maybe we can, you know, do a bartering system. Oh, I know.
2: <laughs> you know, I'll give you free dog food for the rest free of your life. Free dog and you
4: give food you and, and, and you know, do some bartering with some kidneys. It, it is pretty amazing that um, we're lucky to have two kidneys so that they can give one because other organs. don't.
2: I know okay. we are lucky. I was I was talking about that the other day, uh, that you know if if one needs a liver or a lung right. uh, or a heart, you know the only other one I can think of is a lung. Yes. and I don't know and if you can transplant. And lungs. there's
4: pancreas. Yeah, they can do double lung um, transplants.
2: But uh, a pancreas, you you know you need the pancreas, right?
4: Yeah, um, but that you know you only have one pancreas, so right. it's it's unfortunately all the the people who get those types of transplants have to wait till somebody passes away Um, we're in a really unique situation that you know, we can go out and have dinner with the person who gave us a kidney. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> it's, true. Kind of, it's, it's kind of strange when you think about it. But um, I, I don't know. I think that their story is really incredible. And it's encouraging, too, because how they met at, at later on in life and were able to, you know, find each other. And I'm sure that they uh, he offers her a lot of support, too. Right. So it's just not a one-sided relationship. And I want
2: to go out and get that book because, you know, it sounds really interesting. Well,
4: I have a couple of copies on my desk. So. Oh my gosh, that's um, my Valentine's Day gift. <laughs> yes, there, I'll give you a Fantastic. copy of my right and my left kidney for Valentine's Day. We can control our own destiny.
0: We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options.
2: We can form partnerships with our healthcare care team.
0: We can take steps toward self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives.
1: We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow.
0: We can help and support our fellow patients
1: we
2: can pursue our hopes and dreams.
4: We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible.
2: Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen.
4: Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Estellus.
2: Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care, North America.
4: Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community.
2: Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.